Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Here you go. Here you go. Shark Tank. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. And I'm talking about Mark Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks, and the story of the day in the world of sports and business is that Mark Cuban is selling the Dallas Mavericks. Everybody look out, cover your head, because I would assume the sky is falling. Because if I were to make a list of an owner who is least likely to sell his team, the number one name on that list would be Mark Cuban. So I was shocked. So let me go back and give you the timeline of events and explain why your favorite host of Nothing Personal is yet again on Gilligan's Island as the sole survivor. Word came out with an SEC filing that Miriam Adelson is selling $1.9 billion worth of Sands Corp stock for the purpose of making a purchase of a professional sports franchise. David, who's it gonna be? People texting from everywhere, on Twitter and on my phone. What's she buying? Which team? When you own public shares of a company and you are a large owner of those shares and you are selling a large number of shares, you must do a filing to explain why, because people would like to know that you're not selling because the ground underneath all the casinos is about to implode. There's gonna be a sinkhole. And by the way, there's word that Vegas will no longer allow gambling. Sell Mortimer, sell. So you try to avoid that sort of insider trading, insider dealing, so you make a filing. Why do you need all this money? I'm buying a car. Well, you're selling 1.9 billion. What else are you buying? A yacht. Well, you can buy a big yacht with that. What else? A Picasso. No, we need something else. How about something of a very big asset class? A sports team. Ding, 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 ding. All right, good enough. So rumors are out there. A 78-year-old woman, the widow of Sheldon Adelson, an iconic family in Vegas, real estate and casinos. She's cashing in but then cashing out, strike that, 4869. She's cashing out and then cashing in. Then about 20 minutes later, 25 minutes later, all of the great reporters out there because they are all investigative journalists and they have sources and they know stuff. I don't know squat about crap. I just react, I don't break news, I don't have sources, I don't have anything. I just look at what I see and say, mm, that doesn't seem right. About 25 minutes later, Adelson buying the Dallas Mavericks from Mark Cuban in a historic deal, a unique deal, unheard of, 
because he's selling the team for around $3.5 billion, but he's going to retain full control of basketball operations. Ding, ding, ding. Every antenna in my body. That makes it sound like I'm a robot. Every wire in my body was at red alert. We've gone through the different structures of deals on Nothing Personal. We've talked about the A-Rod step transaction, the David Blitzer step transaction, the path to control. You lock in a price now, you pay it in installments, and then there comes a time when you take control of the operation. We told you when Steve Cohn bought the Mets, originally the Wilpons wanted to run the team for a few years. Steve Cohn said, no, you're out now. The Mets said, give me my two and a half billion. Steve Cohn said, fine. Wilpons said, ciao. T-T-Y-L. What scenario would have Mark Cuban still running the basketball operations? A step transaction. That's one. Selling a minority piece just to raise money. People have minority partners, limited partners all the time. Cuban wants to cash out a little bit, pocket some money, take advantage of a current valuation of the Mavericks, whatever the case may be. There is a scenario where he sells a minority piece, but he is still the general partner because news alert, Mark Cuban has limited partners today. So another limited partner, all right, no big deal. He can keep in control, but no, it's that he's selling a majority of the team. But David, there's scenarios by which a person can own a minority amount of the team and still be in control. Let me explain. There are scenarios in basketball where an owner can own as little as 15% and be the general partner of the partnership that owns the majority of the team. And as the general partner, he's quote unquote, the control person in baseball parlance or the governor in the NBA, it's called the governor. You're on the board of governors. That means you are the single person responsible for the operation. You are the final line. You vote, you are the final decision maker. So there are scenarios where that can happen. When someone is investing billions of dollars into the team, it is extraordinarily rare, if not impossible, for them not to want control. So then it occurred to me, this could be the case though, because everyone's saying I'm wrong by saying there's no way Mark Cuban's staying in control. But then I realized that the person who's buying the team is a 78-year-old person. The fact that she's a woman is not relevant. She's 78 years old. Would the NBA want a 78-year-old new owner to be the person in control of the team. And then I thought of the Angelos family, and I thought of succession, and I thought of all sorts of circumstances where the Ricketts family is another great example with the Cubs, where it's Ricketts family money, but Tom Ricketts was the one put in charge. The scenario where Miriam Adelson is controlling the Mavericks is a scenario that I can't quite contemplate. I believe that there will come a time when this transaction is voted on and finally explained that it's not Miriam Adelson who's controlling the Mavericks and it's not Mark Cuban who's controlling the Mavericks, but it's a member of Miriam Adelson's family, whether she has a son or a daughter, someone like that, a daughter, a son, a son-in-law, whatever. That's possible, that can happen. 
But then the news kept leaking out. This is Mark Cuban leaving Shark Tank. This is Mark Cuban selling the Mavericks. It's a fire sale of assets. Is he okay? God forbid he's sick. I certainly hope not. Is he running for president? Well, you're allowed to run for president and keep your assets. Spoiler alert, Trump, except you just moved the assets into a blind trust. Woody Johnson, ambassador to the UK, gave it to his bro, remember that, to run the trust? You don't have to sell the team because you want to run for president. Put it into a trust. And running for president, maybe, but that doesn't cause a sale. And then I started thinking about Mark Cuban, the Shark Tank guy. Mark Cuban's pretty good at his job. The provenance of Mark Cuban's money goes all the way back to Broadcom. Do you remember that? Remember who bought Broadcom? I was at Morgan Stanley at the time, and it was bought out by a company that was then called Yahoo. And one of the things that he got in that transaction was a ton of stock. And so he had a concentrated equity position. His All of his wealth was tied into this one stock. And he said, you know what? I better diversify. So we diversified, sold a bunch of Yahoo stock, bought the Mavericks and did a whole bunch of other stuff. And that's how you get generational wealth through diversification. So maybe Mark Cuban wanted to diversify his assets, realizing that the Mavericks were worth this amount of money. They're reporting $3.5 billion, take the under on that for the enterprise value. This doesn't mean that Mark Cuban is cashing in $3.5 billion. There's debt on the team, there's taxes. He's likely gonna keep a piece that's very common. The Wilpons still own a piece of the Mets, you just don't hear about it. It's a little teeny tiny piece, but they still do. Very, very common in transactions like that. More rare is when Jeffrey Lurie sold the Marlins and he said to Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman, at that number, do me a quick favor, take it all. So Mark Cuban's not pocketing three and a half, but still he's gonna pocket quite a bit of zeros. Maybe he wants to diversify. So that's a possibility. But then, is there any owner more associated with ownership than Mark Cuban and the Mavericks? Maybe Jerry Jones and the Cowboys would be above him or next to him? Mark Cuban, the guy who practices with the team, travels with the team, sits practically on the bench, jumps up and down like a great fan. I love that about him. Gets fined by the league. He's this crazy owner. Remember, this is the same owner, Mark Cuban, where MLB told him no. He did not have 23 votes. He always wanted to buy a baseball team. And there were not 23 votes to approve him because he was so anti-authority. Didn't like the idea of a commissioner's office. He's, Mark Cuban's been fined by David Stern, Adam Silver, tons of money. I bet that if we had as many people working with us as Pablo, we could give you an amount of money that Mark Cuban's been fined over the term of his ownership since he bought into the team. So the NBA, are they happy to get rid of Mark Cuban? Are they unhappy? Are they actually getting rid of Mark Cuban? Is there a scenario under which he sells the team to Adelson, but then is hired to run the team? No chance, toilet pants. Is there a scenario under which he's selling only minority interest? I still say no chance, toilet pants. Is he worried about the valuation of the team that is at an all-time high? He's pretty good at recognizing when it's time to liquidate, when it's time to diversify. Yet all we hear about is the NBA. They're about to triple their broadcast deals. Well, if you're tripling your broadcast deal, that helps because you get higher distributions for all the teams in the NBA. Is he forward thinking to like the future, the end of the world type of stuff, like climate change? 
or civil war? What exactly is in his mind? We may get a chance to ask him. He may offer an answer or he may not offer an answer. But I'll tell you one thing. All of the rumors you're hearing, every one of them, that he is maintaining control, including his quote, I will still run basketball operations, he said. I have serious and significant doubts about that fact. As a matter of fact, I'm so sure in my position that a deal like this would not include him continuing to be the governor and being the control person and running the team that I'm making it an official wait to see. Wait to see when we tell you something's gonna happen, when it does great, when it doesn't great, we'll revisit it. Mark Cuban will not be running the basketball operations of the Mavericks should he sell a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks. Meanwhile, the people buying it, the Adelsons are, uh, they're a family who you may have heard of. One of the things that uh, they are known for is their support of Trump. They were, Miriam Adelson was a huge donor of Trump through his presidency. Sheldon Adelson, her, her wit, it's not her widow, she is the widow of Sheldon Adelson. They were very big supporters. And I was thinking about all of the uh, players and all of the other owners and how that would play. Is that a thing when it comes to approval? Do players get upset? You remember, we've had players who have spoken out against their owners when their owners have done things. Do you remember the guy who used to own the Phoenix Suns? And you had players saying, no, I don't know, I wanna play for this guy anymore and that was workplace related. I have not seen in my career where players have not wanted to work for owners who are uh, representing racists or representing people who you don't agree with politically. Steve Ross of the Dolphins is a supporter of Trump, was a supporter of Trump, don't know if he still is. So I don't view the players as being upset about this or this changing. The only thing I would say to Coca is that players may be not happy because Cuban was such a player's owner. Remember when he bought them all PlayStations and the locker room became like a playground? That's all sorts of stuff that he does that maybe a new owner will not do, but who knows? So this story is going to continue for a while. He's got one more season of Shark Tank. I think that if he wanted to get the highest price, wouldn't it be cool if the final season, the final episode of Shark Tank of his whole career, he's had like a 16 year, he's a very successful TV guy, pitch man, or he gets pitched for Shark Tank. How cool would it be if he were standing in front of the panel for his last episode and he were selling the Dallas Mavericks? What would he start with? You wanna hang out with athletes? Do I have something for you? You wanna fly in a private plane? Do I have something for you? You wanna win a ring? I got something for you. That'd be a fun episode. Maybe we could do that. It would never happen, but it'd be pretty cool. All right. I'm segueing now into a story uh, that's going on in Chicago. The Blackhawks, we don't cover that many hockey stories on Nothing Personal. And this one, there were about literally more than 50 of you contacted me wanting me to cover this story, asking you my opinion of this story. This is the story of the Chicago Blackhawks and their superstar teenager named Connor Bedard, who has come out of the shoots. He's, he's on track for like 40 goals this year. He is uh, the next Gretzky. There's always a next, 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 but there's a chance that he really is the next Gretzky. And the Blackhawks have had their issues. Remember their uh, front office issues? Remember the investigations? Do you remember the abuse? 
that was pervasive in the organization, the firings. We have covered all those stories. The Blackhawks find themselves in the news again. We've covered the McDonough lawsuit. Remember him? He was the former president of the Blackhawks. But this story is one that is of prurient interest to many because rumors were circulating that a player on the Blackhawks had some sort of relationship with the mother of a player on the Blackhawks. And there is no basis in truth for that. We don't know at all what happened. What we know is that the Chicago Blackhawks released a player they signed to a one-year $4 million deal, a former Hart Trophy winner. And you may not have heard of him, but you should have. His name is Corey Perry. And the Blackhawks released a statement because first Perry was inactive, a healthy scratch. And then he was just sort of gone. And then all these internet rumors started about the mom's trip. Side note, never done a mom's trip in my career. We've done a wife's trip. We've done a girlfriend's trip. We've done a wives and girlfriend's trip just because that makes me smile. Never a mommy trip. There's enough mommy issues on a particular team that you do a mommy trip. I would expect to lose two out of three, if not get swept. And this is not an anti-mommy sentiment. This is a, hey, we don't have enough sports psychologists to do a mommy trip. But apparently the Blackhawks did a mom's trip. And lo and behold, after this trip, Corey Perry was gone. So the internet sleuths out there surmised what happened. How, I don't know. People asking me if I've ever seen that. Nope. We've had players sleep with other players' wives. Yes, we have. We've had players sleep with other players' girlfriends. We've had players swap girlfriends, sometimes the same night. I do not recall a situation where any of my players ever had sexual relations with a mother of a current player. Now, mother of an ex-player, I'm not saying never, but a current player, can't think of it. So the Blackhawks released a statement after an internal investigation, the Blackhawks have determined that Corey Perry engaged in conduct that is unacceptable and in violation of both the terms of the standard player's contract and the Blackhawks' internal policies intended to promote professional and safe work environment. Well, I admit to you on this show, 16 minutes into our hump show, that I have never read or looked at a National Hockey League standard player contract. But I've practically memorized Major League Baseball standard player contract. And guess what provision isn't in there? Thou may not sleep with a teammate's mommy. Not in there. What provision could have been violated? Conduct detrimental to the team? Acting not in the best interest of the team? Disparagement? First class physical condition. It was quick. Ah, you're not ready to play. Very strange to have that in a statement. Not exactly doing anything other than adding fuel to a fire that was brewing in Chicago. Not having the back of their star 18 year old, not being sensitive to the rumors out there, just that statement. Except it wasn't enough. Because when you add fuel to a fire, the fire tends to get larger. Which is why we tell people, and you've heard this on Nothing Personal, stop with the quick statement, because then you gotta do another statement that may be different than your first statement, and then you look like a jackass. Take a minute, figure out what's going on, and then do a statement. Or if you have to do something immediately, just say nothing. 
we will have no comment about any player at this time. Great. A violation of the terms of the standard player contract. Hmm. But Kyle Davidson, the GM of the Blackhawks, got a call from the owner, and the owner said, hey, uh, we got to address this again because this story is not going anywhere. All right, I got it. Let's do a press conference, and here's what I'm going to say. Get ready. This is a doozy. First and foremost, I was like that. You know how to, when you write a paper, the most important part is the first paragraph and the last paragraph because the majority of people don't read the middle? And the only time you say firstly is if there's a secondly. Otherwise, you don't say firstly. And if it's first, by definition, it's foremost. So when you're doing a writing or a talking, try not to say first and foremost. I'm burying the lead here, so first and not relevant at all. I wanna start off by reiterating, Kyle Davidson said, the organization is committed to a culture of accountability and upholding our values across our employees and players on and off the ice. I wonder whether or not he's trying to do a clapback. That's not the expression, Coca, I just sounded old. Is it a clap? It's a callback. Thank you, Coca. I wonder if he's doing a callback to all the horrible things that went on in the organization. So are we supposed to be thinking about child abuse right now? I'm not positive, but hold on. Last week, management was notified of a possible misconduct by Corey Perry. We immediately pulled him from the game and conducted an internal investigation. So last week they were notified, just hear me out on the timeline. Last week they were notified of a possible misconduct. No investigation had been done, no due process, no nothing, they pull him from the ice. Okay, guilty till proven innocent, I like where your head's at. No, I don't. But then in one week, upon learning the findings of the investigation, the internal investigation, we made the decision to terminate his contract. That is one hell of a fast investigation. Do you know how those internal investigations go when you don't call Samson and Coca Law? The internal investigation goes, hey, did that happen? That happened? Did that, hey, did you hear that? Did you see that? That did? Call my security guide. And did you see anything weird on the road? Did you see anyone walking out of anybody's room? Or did you see something happen in the locker room? It could be one of 20 things that could have happened. All right, you said it happened, it happened. Great, internal investigation over. Give me a break. What kind of internal investigation that results in the termination of somebody's contract and the unconditional waivers and release of the player happens that fast? Oh, it can happen if there's public authorities. You run someone over and you're drunk and you get a blood alcohol test or you blow a 0.12 right there on the road. I can be pretty quick in investigating that. Unless I carry around a blue light on the road, I can't really investigate when people are talking about sexual things that go on on the road or adultery or any sort of things that happen in that manner. I can't really internally investigate if a player was drunk the night before unless I saw him with my own two eyes, but I'm not gonna terminate a guy for being drunk on the road the night before a game because I'd end up playing with Lenny, Squiggy, and Moe and Curly. So what could that have been that took him a, only a week? So they learned the findings. We made the decision. And then he doesn't protect Connor Bedard. He says, I will not be able to disclose any details related to the initial reporting, investigation, or the findings. Boy, talk about transparency. However, I do want to be very clear on this one point. 
So I'm not going to tell you anything that happened. I'm going to tell you what didn't happen. This does not involve any players or their families and anything that suggests otherwise or anyone that suggests he means who otherwise is wildly inaccurate. And frankly, it's disgusting. Well, I guess that's it. We now know they did a week-long investigation for someone who violated their standard player contract, but it had nothing to do with any players or their families. But it had to do with one player because you released the player. What he may have meant is any other players. So it's something he did himself that was brought to the attention of the Blackhawks and then proven within a week, and it was so bad that they simply released him. Hmm, what else did he say? This has been a tough situation, and I understand you want answers. It was important that we took all the necessary steps before sharing more. Hold on, let me check my dictionary. Under all necessary steps. Can, hold on, I'm Googling this. Can all necessary steps be taken in one week of an internal investigation? Click. All necessary steps can never be taken in one week when doing an internal investigation. There you go, Google says it. Seems like a weird thing to say. And then he ended his press conference with a real doozy. I've used doozy too many times, so cut that, Koga. 4869. He ended his statements with yet a greater example of absolute PR drivel than what he started it with. I hope you can understand that I may not be able to answer everything today, but I'm going to be as open and honest as I can be given the situation and out of respect for those involved. For those involved, but it doesn't involve any players or their families. It must involve non-players, non-families, non-employees. Maybe it was an employee. Where's the speculation on sexual harassment? People go to that so quickly. Why did they go to him sleeping with Bedard's mom so fast? Who would come up with that? The Chicago Blackhawks have a problem. The problem is that they had a situation that they made worse, that they are still making worse. And the good news for those of us who'd like to know what's actually happening, other than by listening to nothing personal, is that you're gonna get more. Because if you think that writers are just gonna leave it be with that statement, then you are incorrect. When we come back, we are gonna review the show with Brie Larson, not the, uh, not the Marvel movie. It's the show based on the book called Lessons in Chemistry. I watched the entire season. I wanna talk about it with you. And then we're gonna explain a lawsuit that's going on with Vince McMahon that is fascinating. You may wanna hang out because we'll be right back. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top rated sportsbook apps is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. The reigning national champions are UConn. They're the favorites to win it all again. But if you think there's no way that's happening, head to DraftKings College Basketball and go to Team Futures and make your pick. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks 
to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code S-A-M-S-O-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson coming to you on a Wednesday. Matthew Koch and I are live every day, 8 a.m. on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Please hit subscribe. More of you are watching and listening than are subscribing. I get it. You can watch and listen and not subscribe. But if we're eventually going to go behind the max paywall, we need a lot of you. I'm not going behind the max paywall. At least, hold on. Let me see. Metal Hello? Hold on. Metal Arc's calling. No, I just would like one other person to help Coca. Oh, you want to talk about something else? All right, I'm in the middle of a show. I watched this show because I could not believe, and I'm. Uh, this is happening to me more than it used to. It started with players who I are currently in baseball whose fathers played for me. And that was a bizarre thing. And I've talked to you about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the kids who I've known and the Griffin Conines of the world and just how strange time is where every year the players stay the same age and I get a year older. It's a bit like being a professor and how incredibly tough that is for me when I suffer from tremendous Peter Pan syndrome. I don't want to get old. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. So when I see a show that stars a guy I hadn't heard of named Lewis Pullman, it does not occur to me that that's Bill Pullman's son. Until I turn on the first episode and I say, wait a minute, that's Bill Pullman. How has he not changed since he was the president of the United States in, uh-oh, Armageddon? I'm blanking. What was he the president in when it was Independence Day? Thank you. Wow, Coco, that was very quick. This is Bill Pullman's son who is a dead ringer, Jeremy Irons, for Bill Pullman. Starting with Brie Larson, who plays a chemist who ends up doing a food show on TV where she cooks food, but it's really about chemistry, but it's really about food because back in the days where this is filmed, and this is not a true story that I know of, it's women belong in the kitchen which of course is absurd. It's always been absurd. Only now is it not a trope and it shouldn't be a trope. It never should have been a trope, very weird. Go out, my man, and make us money and I'll be here with a green bean casserole when you get home. With a drink in hand. God, the 50s were something, weren't they? Ridiculous. So this is a eight episode arc on Apple and it starts off with you thinking, why is Lewis Pullman one of the stars when it seems like he may not be long for the show? But then you realize, ah, that's how they're doing it. He is long for the show. So there's a spoiler, which isn't really a spoiler because it's not really about the fact that that happens to him because he's in the show throughout. Did I like lessons in chemistry? That's what you're asking. 
it was fine. Would I suggest you watch Better Call Saul before Lessons in Chemistry? Yes. I'm through season one of Fargo, almost done with season two of Fargo. I'll review that another time. Would I suggest that over Lessons in Chemistry? Yes. Would I suggest reading the book over watching the series? Don't know, didn't read the book. So at the end of the day, I didn't get through one episode without checking my phone. I couldn't stop, won't stop, because I don't stop. Side note, Coco, we got to talk about something. I didn't even tell you this before the show. I guess I'm telling you with everybody. I watched five episodes of that Squid Games thing last night. Five episodes. Yes, I was up all night. I, I fell asleep a little bit, like from 5.30 to 5.45 this morning. But I was, I was up all night. I couldn't stop. And I thought it was like the Squid Games. It's a reality show. There's four more episodes that drop today, I think. I'll watch the other four and then review it. It's crazy. Anyway, I'd watch that and I haven't even reviewed it yet before I watched Lessons in Chemistry. All right, let's move on to what's going on with the WWE because I want to help you understand because it's a big deal. Nothing personal has provided a bit of a map in this situation with a bunch of wait to sees in this situation. I remember telling you clearly when Vince's daughter resigned from the board, when Vince was kicked out of the company for all of the hush money he paid for all of the sexual harassment and sexual, I don't know that it was assault. I think he was just having sex with everyone he worked with. I mean, obviously that's hyperbole. It wouldn't be everybody. It would just be women. And um, well, I guess it could be men too, who knows? And uh, he was out of the operation, but then he wanted into the operation, but there was a rumor that WWE was gonna sell, but Vince wanted to be in control of the sale. So he found his way back onto the board. He got reinstated, was put back into control. His daughter then resigned and then bing, bam, boom. Two seconds later, there's a merger with between WWE and Endeavor, UFC, Endeavor, Ari Emanuel. And Vince McMahon was staying on as the executive chairman of this new entity called the TKO Group. Get it, TKO, technical knockout. And at the time we told you, wow, they valued it at about $22 billion, pretty good for the WWE. We told you that the UFC or that, that uh, Endeavor would have a 51-49 edge, but that one of the things they were doing I mean, a company with 50-50 is hard to operate. You need 51-49. Is that they were bringing back Vince. Great news. Everything's going swimmingly. Until a lawsuit got filed. Guess who filed the lawsuit? I don't know if you knew, but the WWE was a public company. When it's a public company, that means you've got shareholders. When you run a public company, you have a fiduciary duty to your shareholders. When you're the president of a private company, you have a fiduciary duty to your partnership. When you're the general partner, you have a fiduciary duty to your limited partners. A fiduciary duty means that you will act in the best interests of the partnership, or you will act in the best interests of the shareholders, that you will not engage in self-dealing, which is you do a deal that's bad for them, but good for you. The shareholders of WWE have filed a lawsuit accusing Vince McMahon and others of that very breach of fiduciary duty. And their claim is that the deal that Vince McMahon took from his friend and former agent, Ari Emanuel, was not the best deal available for 
WWE. That there were all cash offers of let's say $98 a share or $96 a share, because that's when you buy a public company, you basically people get a price for their shares. And then you add up all the shares that are outstanding, time the price per share, and that's what the company is bought for. But what if someone offered you $95 in cash today for one share of your WWE stock? Or they offered you one share of this newly formed merged company and they told you it was at a value of $96. Would you say, wow, I'd rather have $96 in a share than $95 in cash? If you would say that, that means that you've taken a look at the numbers of the newly formed company, you've taken a look at the projections, and you have valued one share of stock in the newly formed company at a minimum of $96. Because if you did that and valued it at 93, you'd rather have the 95 in cash. If you valued the one share of stock at 95, you'd rather have the 95 cash. I would rather have the 95 cash than a stock that's valued at 97 because it could be 97 today and 94 tomorrow. Give me the money. And I don't mean the FTX, I mean, give me the cash. So the lawsuit is claiming that Vince McMahon was reinstated and then immediately sold in what they called a quick sale, which is like the quick pitch in baseball. You know, when the pitcher gets the ball and he just whips it right at the catcher, barely comes set enough not to be a balk, but barely comes set. And the hitter's like, that's BS, that was a quick pitch. And it's legal, you can do it. As long as you come set, don't break any rules. A quick sale by definition is not illegal but you better weigh all your options because if you breached your fiduciary duty by doing the quick sale, you are opened up to this sort of shareholder litigation. You're open up to scrutiny and scrutiny is exactly what Vince faces now. When you're accused of a sham sales process, that means when you're a private owner, I guess I should say this to you, when you own a private company, you can sell it to whoever the hell you want. If you're the sole owner of a private company, your company, you own 100%, do whatever you want. You wanna sell it to this guy versus that guy, and this guy's offering less than that guy, no problem. That's less money for you, boo hoo hoo. But when you have partners, either limited partners or shareholders, you can't choose the person you want without great reason and without approval. So board approval comes and the board makes a decision on behalf of the shareholders and Vince McMahon ran the board, control the board. Members of the board are being sued. So when you're asked to be on a board, you better think twice because you have a fiduciary duty to the shareholders. And if you are a part of something wonky, you are opened up to litigation, which is why when you're on a board, you get insurance because you wanna be covered for legal fees in case you're ever sued. So what the lawsuit says is Vince McMahon conjured up a total sham sales process, trying to hush the shareholders and assuage them with any concerns they may have had because the deal with Ari Emanuel was the best deal out there. Just happens to be a coincidence that everybody else was a cash deal where Vince would be gone and Ari Emanuel's deal was a stock deal where Vince would still be involved. 
It's pretty on point and on character for Vince not to want to exit stage right. When you live your life in the spotlight, exiting the spotlight is hard. It can take years to adjust, and then you search for it all over again, maybe in a different way. It's like an addiction. It's like crack or heroin. Vince wasn't ready. So this lawsuit is a big deal. How does it end? How do these lawsuits end? With the settlement. Because Vince McMahon does not want to be on the stand describing the sales process. He doesn't want to be cross-examined about his current position in the newly formed merged entity. And the shareholders don't really care about Vince McMahon. They want to maximize the value of their shares. So this ends with a settlement and those shareholders will get money. Wait to see, my second official wait to see of the day. Cuban won't keep control and the WWE lawsuit is going to be settled with money going to the WWE shareholders. Wait to see. Nothing, personal pick of the day. Oh my God, did I love yesterday. We had the Bucks minus three over the heat. Jimmy Butler's not playing, it's in the bag. The Heat were winning up to the end of the game and ended up losing by seven and we covered. We are now 179 and 171. The quarterfinals of the in-season tournament are all set and I am here for it. Do you remember yesterday when we gave you the tiebreaker scenarios and we told you how ridiculous they were that if one team wins by 40, another team has to lose by six or if they lose by seven to 10 points, then that team has to win by 18. If these three teams lose, it was ridiculous. Well, wouldn't you know it, something happened last night. The Celtics were playing Billy Donovan's team, and I'm blanking right now. Is it the Bulls, Coca? And the Celtics had a point differential issue, and the Celtics were running up the score. And the coach of the Celtics went to Billy Donovan during the game and said, his name is Joe Missoula, went to Donovan to explain why he was running up the score, apologizing for running up the score and saying, forgive me. And Donovan acknowledged, nodded, and went back to his bench. You're Adam Silver, you're watching that happen. And the only thing I'm thinking about is you've got to change the tiebreaker rules. We talked about this a bit during the World Cup when goals scored are a tiebreaker. And so when there's a mismatch in the World Cup, it is absolutely, there's an incentive in group play for somebody to win 20 to nil. And it's just embarrassing. Coaches don't like doing that. Players don't like doing that because what's good for the goose is good for the gander one of these days. And it doesn't feel good to be on the back end of that kind of slap. But the way this in-season tournament was manufactured and the way they did the tiebreakers, they had to have somehow thought that there could be a scenario where there would be an embarrassment going on for the final game in the group stage prior to the quarterfinals. And it happened. So the quarterfinals are all set. Bucks are playing the Knicks. Winner of the quarters goes to Vegas. Losers of the quarters play each other in a non-in-season tournament, regular season game. So we're 179 and 171. Guess who the number one seed is in the West? Would you have ever guessed who would win the group stage, number one seed heading into the quarters for the Western Conference, would you have thought it was LeBron James? Shout out to LeBron James, who is half an octogenarian practically. He now is the NBA's all-time leader in minutes played. He is still one of the top five players in the NBA. It's truly something. 
they are playing the Pistons tonight, and they're only favored by a touchdown. There's not going to be letdown with the Lakers. They have not playing well enough this season. They need to step on the gas coming off the loss they had to the Sixers. I think they just lost by 80 points to the Sixers the other night. And the Pistons are on track to lose 94 games, which is almost impossible in an 82-game season. But these Pistons are doing it. But the reason why the Pistons interest me is do you remember who their coach is? It's Monty Williams, the highest paid coach in the NBA. The guy who left Sarver, got 14 million a year to coach the Pistons, and their team stinks. The players have given up. If David Tepper were the owner of the Pistons, Monty Williams would be canned already. I mean, it's been 15 games. That's like almost four games in an NFL season or three games. That'd be enough. Lakers minus seven over the Pistons. Six years, 78.5 for Monty. How's that doing? All right, we end the show with an update because I want to be fair to David Tepper because yesterday's show, we went after David because he fired Frank Reich and then his statements and his interviews and all, all the stuff was just out of this world ridiculous. And then he met the media yesterday after our show. So he was meeting the media to try to explain all the bad press he'd been getting, to try to explain a way that people were saying who would ever want to coach for this team. He meets with his crisis PR people, his PR people, maybe met with nobody. I'd like to believe these owners have PR people. And here's what they came up with. It's so good. My reputation away from this game is one of extreme patience. I do have patience. Thank you for telling us. What is the correlation between your relationship with one person and your relationship with another? If you show great patience with one employee, do you show great patience with all your employees? If you show great patience with a child, does that mean you always show great patience with either that child or your other children? If you've got a best friend you tell her your secrets to, does that mean you tell all your secrets to everybody and you're an open book, open my kimono? What is the relevance exactly? What does it prove to say that you've got patience in your other business and that people never leave me? They work for me for 20 to 30 years. They love me. They certainly do around Christmas time, Dave. But there is zero correlation, zero relevance to what is in his regular business world and life and the way he is versus the way he is as an owner, especially when there's proof He's been around since 2018. He's hiring his seventh coach. It doesn't matter if he has patience in any of his other business. The point is he has no patience in the ownership of a sports team business. Who exactly thought that it would be freeing or acceptable or exonerating for him to excuse his behavior as an owner by explaining what he's like in his other life? Not me. But of course, David Tepper didn't ask my opinion. But if he did, I would have said, when you meet the media today, I want you to focus on your success in your other business and your befuddlement and your lack of success in this business. So therefore, what I do in my other business by showing patience, I'm not gonna do in this business because I gotta figure out a way to be better the way I am in my other business because it's just business. This is nothing personal.